0: You're listening to Locally Produced Programming, created in KUNV Studios on Public Radio, KUNV
1: 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Welcome to The Pivot Point, where we talk about all things pivot, all things business, and all things Vegas. I'm your host, Bardia. Let's get the ball rolling. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Pivot Point. I have with me a very distinguished gentleman today. He has years of experience, I think almost over a decade now, in business operations at Stitched. His name is Sam Glazer. Thank you for coming here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh you also have a background in marketing and news media uh publications, but you've been running Stitched as a business operator for for over a decade now, I think. Can you tell us about your career story?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I went to UC Berkeley, graduated with a business degree, and started my career as a brand manager for a mid-sized leather goods company. Uh, the appeal to me out of Cal was that they made all of Nike's small leather goods. So that's not footwear. That's belts, wallets, bags, those right. types of things. Uh, we also had our own brand called Will that was in Nordstrom and Fred Siegel and some really great stores like that. But no one had really heard of it. So it was a really great brand management opportunity to take to take something that already was a great product and help tell the story. Right. Um, one of my top retail accounts a couple years in offered me a buying job, uh, and I had spent enough time on the brand wholesale supply production side to know that retail buying was kind of where it's at. That moved me to Vegas mm-hmm. in 2010, and uh, I s- started learning the buying retail side of fashion. Um, during that time, I was uh, asked to cover nightlife and fashion for Las Vegas Weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was had this sort of uh, this portion of my career that was buying as my as my career and writing on the side, which was sort of uh, really the way that I it was kind of an intellectual outlet. Yeah, but it was also a really cool way to be meeting people and expanding my network early I, on
1: but I want to get into the nightlife and writing <laughs> uh, a little bit later. Yeah, but I definitely want to talk about Stitched, like, what is Stitched all about? You have such a cool store. Yeah, thanks. Yeah,
0: um, yeah so uh, just to wrap, I'll, I'll wrap that up and it gets right into Stitched. But I, I, as a writer for The mm-hmm. Weekly, I uh, interviewed Avon Springall. He was the founder of Stitched, and we became fast friends. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, I knew that I wanted to be his buyer, uh, and that opportunity presented itself about a year in. Um, so, uh, Avon Springall, he's actually a Lee Business School uh, grad, um, and all. Uh, Wish he could be here, but has recently moved to Nashville. Right. <clears throat> um, so, sorry, bring me back to the the second question. Um, um, just what, what is this what's all about? about? Yeah. yeah. So, Eamon's vision when the Cosmopolitan was being built, uh, he was actually ensuring the construction of the resort. Uh-huh. His vision was to bring a British style haberdashery stateside. Um, wow. You know, at that point in in US fashion history, most b- custom clothing consumers. Had a guy, maybe he right. was uh, maybe he came to your office once or twice a year, uh, took some measurements and sent you the finished product a few months later. Uh, we wanted to add an experiential element you know experiential retail's pretty buzzy these days uh, we were early to that party, and we knew that in order to be internet resistant and to really be uh, win in the age of Zara and h and m we had to give men a, a a reason to shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of it is is obvious sort of being able to touch fabrics and when you're choosing what you want your custom suit to look like. Um, but the other part we really built uh, we built a lounge that overlooks the strip. We call it our Scotch Locker Lounge. Our celebrities and top clients get their own locker as mm-hmm. an amenity for when they're shopping or even when they're not shopping. Our our best customers might come watch football three times for every one time they shop and we love that how cool that we've made a store where men want to come hang out with us um, we will have celebrities and athletes just come kind of relax on incognito mm-hmm. with a hat and under armor on and uh, we've really nice. created a place where, where guys are comfortable and that's that's pretty special uh, and we also trained our sales staff to be stylists, and we call them lifestylists. They they're expected to know Vegas and be able to be a, a conduit for for our tourist-driven business. Uh, 90% or so um, of our businesses are tourists. And uh, it's not a pushy environment. You come in, and the idea is to help you get an education. Oh, I didn't realize you could wear mm-hmm. uh, a pattern with a pattern. Well, as long as they're really differing in size, it, it works. Uh, you know we want people to to leave with a feeling of "Oh wow, I really know what i 'm going to wear next uh, and so it 's it 's not a pushy sales environment it 's mm-hmm. more of a wardrobing developing ensembles together, helping men uh get a clearer picture of picture of their own personal style right um, so we opened with the resort twelve thirteen years ago mm-hmm. uh we just we recently signed another ten year lease so we're we 're all we're doubling down on Cosmo. Uh, and we 've We've grown a lot. We're we're doing eight eight x what we did in year one uh, in revenue, and we we've had our most significant profit profitability, um, our most profitable years uh, in the, over the last two. So we had a pretty strong COVID recovery. Uh, we're we're really grateful that business is stronger that's, than ever. That's
1: awesome. I mean. The whole reason I love shopping was the in-store experience. And in this digital world where you can just buy anything online, it'll just come to you, subscription services, stylists, even online, just bring stuff to you. I love that your store really emphasizes uh, the experience. And when I, I went only a few times, because unfortunately I don't go too much to the strip, but I love just walking in and feeling just a very powerful, very calm atmosphere. Um, and so, what, what, um, what do you want your customers to feel when they put on a custom suit? How do you want them to walk out the door? How do you want them to feel when they wear your clothes?
0: Yeah, that's a really great, that's a really great question. Uh, I think it's about confidence and empowerment. If I really had to distill it, uh, but beyond that, we're in the brand business. We we had a, a very prominent uh, local aesthetics surgeon mm-hmm. um pull me aside it's out out and about the other week and tell me how significantly we've contributed to the brand of his of his plastic surgeon wow business and you know and then the short version of that story was most people are really scared when a doctor walks in and wearing a lab coat and a you know, really sort of sterile white thing. Coat syndrome. The, the white coat syndrome yeah. is real. And so instead he wears three piece suits every day and he is stitched up to the tip top and people see him as a, as their sort of personal style consultant. And it, it's, he, he just couldn't sing the praises enough about how we've made him feel, how we've mm-hmm. made his customers feel and how we've become such an integral part of his personal and business brand. Um, that's incredible. I mean, yeah.
1: that's so, so unexpected. I was going to ask, like, you know, what kind of impact did you hope to have with your company? But this seems sort of like completely unrelated. But it seems definitely uh, like you have an impact on his life, even though he's com- he's in medicine, completely different from menswear, right? But what you wear to your profession is such an interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. So
0: that's exactly what he was doing. He was trying to show up and be there for his patients. Yeah, exactly right, and. And we're delighted for stories like that. Um, yeah, you know, talking about impact a little bit more. Um, you know, we've been really committed to giving back to the Las Vegas community. We we donate over fifty uh, suit packages a year to nonprofits, and mm-hmm. really the only condition is that the money has to stay in Nevada, in Southern Nevada. Um, we've done we've done athletic and academic scholarships. We've helped people get uh, UNLV educations. Uh, nice. From our own staff, and uh, yeah, we're really, really committed to uh, it, most of our uh, most most of our marketing efforts have been shifted over toward uh, suit donations, just because mm-hmm. we really we feel like that's the right way to um, to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Did you know you always wanted to be in this field? No, you know my my internship was for a big ad agency in New York uh-huh. City, um, and I i my degree is business, and uh, I never. I knew I was going to do something with brand management, product management, entrepreneurship. Uh, I was tangentially interested in in fashion from just having an older sister. I mean, when I look back on my product awareness, it was knowing what conditioner was years before any, you know, guy normally would because from having a big sister and and I can remember standing in the toothpaste aisle and spending, you know, having my mom need to drag me out of there because I couldn't... Cause I wanted to read every single package. So I've I've yeah. always been really personally fascinated in product development, product marketing, how brands differentiate themselves. Um, and so while fashion wasn't the plan, it was, it was pretty logical for me. It was a, uh,
1: so it, it was relevant for me. From when you started to now, do you think the leader that
0: you are has changed? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> for context, I'm in my late thirties and, um, in you don't uh, look like it, but oh, oh. <laughs> yes, thanks uh and so over um you know've I've kind of broken the the millennial mold i've had uh i've really had three jobs, um, and this most recent one i've been there for over a decade uh and so and even in my first job they the reason I went into fashion in the first place was I had a, a an offer to become a brand manager they basically uh, teased my twenty-two-year-old ego, right, and, and got sure. and offered me a management position really before I had earned it. Just, um, and and so I've sort of, so even from the very beginning, I was uh-huh. kind of a number two, number three in the company, and 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 have have that's been the case. Um, and so from the beginning, I had to manage people that were older than I was. Wow, and so it was. There's always sort of been this, um there's been humility required to get that exactly. to achieve that and that was harder in my young 20s in my young 20s i was more certainly more brash definitely thought i knew everything and uh you know was saw myself as this change catalyst uh, who who could put the world on my shoulders um and i think over time i have sort of grown into and relaxed into uh-huh. the a more mature leader um and, right. and the humility has come a lot more naturally. And and I, I think the the main thing that's different now is that um, I want to be behind the scenes. I'm mm-hmm. comfortable being the business guy. I'm happy to, that our stylists get a lot of the shine and get mm-hmm. to work with the celebrities and get the Instagram photos. And I don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want is to help drive profitability. I want to sure. make it Easy for the partners to expand and and confident in in that. Um, so were were you mostly in the
1: store working with these clients and like measuring them for suits, or and now you're more on the business
0: side? You know, I've, I came in as the buyer, uh-huh. and so I was always kind of the the computer nerd, not the face forward guy, right? Um, you know, my skill set is is in harvesting data and making sense of it, um, but it's a really unique job. A, a, fashion buyer, we get to juggle the analytical and the creative. So on one moment I'm building and analyzing spreadsheets and, uh, on the next using that to inform buys, for example, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe denim is selling through at a really high rate with high profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I get to pick out the actual jeans. And so being able to flip the switch from analytical data driven to creative, um, mm-hmm. b- tactile picking out picking out products is a really cool juxtaposition that I think's um, what's behind my decade plus yes. uh, interest in this company as I've grown from sort of buyer to partner mm-hmm. um, operating partner in the business.
1: Mm-hmm. And just so I get a sense of the products, I think it's a really cool idea to be able to go in and just pick, feel the fabrics, feel the color, p- pick out the colors, assemble your suit. So you offer. That in a custom suit regard, in, in addition to the being an authorized retailer for like Tom Ford and Gucci, yeah, exactly. So you have, your, you have exactly. your own suits. So as well.
0: when we started, we thought it was going to be a, an entirely custom business, but very quickly learned people want to wear stuff tonight. Um,
1: they oh, can't. Wow. You can't
0: wait for custom clothing to be delivered when you're in Vegas, right? You want to stunt at the restaurant or <laughs> club that night, uh, and so we started making our own collection. And then from there we started, at, and that's the we call that the Stitch Collection. Our logo is the four X's mm-hmm. that have, um, you know, start been been growing in prominence over the last decade. Um, but then we started adding our favorite brands. The, that includes Tom Ford and Gucci. Um, Cartier was added recently on the eyewear side. Oh, wow, um, that was a really good get for us. Uh, and then also we we realized that there was early on we there was this reputation of oh, Stitch is so cool. Look at all their celebrities, but it's too expensive for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, I heard, I heard that a lot, um, especially when I was buying in my mid-20s for them. Um, and we were committed to making it more uh, attainable. And so we added world, a world-class denim offering. We've become, uh, Page Denim's really popular. We've become one of their top doors. Um, same for uh, Joe's, Hudson, Frame. Some of these uh, really great brands have started, using us as kind of one of their image accounts. So we get the coolest, newest stuff from them. And all of a sudden we're like selling thousands of pairs of denim wow. a year. We're really become a big denim account. That <laughs> speaks to how the custom, uh, how the suit markets evolved. It's no sure. longer required uniforming uh, for corporate America. It's now a personal aesthetic. It's a, it's a self, a form of self-expression. And so what we've seen is the suit markets evolved into kind of a sport coat jeans type of look and consequently we've really capitalized on on uh having a big dental market but we also now have a really good offering of under two hundred dollar things that people can come in and and afford even if they're not a a custom clothing consumer yet that's so interesting so i was going to ask like what are the
1: what are the trends but i guess you've touched on it like like you said how there are three-piece suits when i imagine a suit i imagine a three-piece suit everything matches together but now people are looking
0: more towards casual types yeah. of suits and yeah. sporty types of suits. Yeah, I, I can speak to that for a moment. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, for for the entirety of the time I've been there, there's been this casualization trend where it's, it's not just sport coat and jeans. It's also now you're allowed to wear T-shirts with your suits. You're allowed to wear sneakers with your suits. Um, and this whole idea of being allowed to do anything has kind of gone out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're at a time where Men are allowed to express themselves with clothing in a way that ten twenty as recently as ten or twenty years ago uh it was sort of seen as maybe flamboyant or um you know other d- disparaging you know men sure, who men sure. who dressed up could could yeah. hear it from their from their friends and and we're just not there anymore now men are really uh, accepted for any level of mm-hmm. dressing up so that's been really wonderful as a buyer because it lets us buy pink suits Uh and bright exploding florals and such. Um, So, and by the way, the pandemic really made comfort uh, even more prominent. Um, We've been seeing, uh, we saw stretchy jeans happen a long time ago. And Mm -hmm. once you started wearing stretchy jeans, you couldn't really wear rigid jeans anymore. We saw the same thing happen in dress shirts. Once, uh, once stretchy dress shirts became a thing, uh, there was no turning back. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned uh, my founder, partner, Eamon, a few times. Um, he's got a closet full of custom shirts he doesn't wear anymore because once stretch started happening, Everybody everything else just that. felt rigid and constricting. You know, No, no disrespect to our wonderful custom right. shirt makers, right. but even they have started and offering stretchy fabrics. So that's been a massive fabric trend that... Mm-hmm. Again, years ago, if we were talking trends, I probably wouldn't have even spent much time on fabric. But the fabric, the stretchy fabric trend is so important that I I can't not mention it. Um, And part of that is, and and so now it was stretchy jeans, then it was stretchy dress shirts. And then, and so we were, I was just calling for stretchy suits, stretchy jackets, stretchy dress pants. uh, And I was buying every bit of it I could find in the market and it was not very good. Um, oh. it's finally good. Right. <laughs> COVID really helped, m- helped, uh, m- the world knew there was a market for it. And now we're, we're seeing the rise of the knit jacket, the knit mm-hmm. suit. And in fact, I'm wearing one and it looks like a fancy custom suit and it is a custom suit, but it's this, this stretchy knit that, that, uh, you know, you could exercise in if you wanted wow. to. Um, so that's happening a lot too. And, that's we you know, awesome. we didn't even talk about colors and patterns. And <laughs> that's because all that other, all the textile stuff is so interesting. And and you also offer
1: a lot of accessories, right? H- how do you see the trends in accessories? Like, accessorizing, I feel like, is a bit um, underestimated sometimes. Maybe, like, you have a handkerchief or, like, a cool little, like, maybe rings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are people sort of turning more towards
0: simple sort of silhouettes? So the tie, much like the suit, uh, has really decreased in necessity as it pertains to corporate, mm-hmm. you know, the corporate uniform. Now ties are a form of self-expression. You wear it because you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've really seen pocket squares become much, much more um, important than neckties wow. as far as the suiting market because people are wearing, people aren't even buttoning their shirts anymore. They're wearing open. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing a dress shirt unbuttoned, or they're wearing a T-shirt uh, with a pocket square. Um, and in terms of other accessories, we have a m- very, very strong eyewear business mm-hmm. in Las Vegas at Cosmo. Um, you know, I don't, without going into details, it's a it's a six-figure category for us, and uh, everyone wants a pair of Gucci's. We've actually started carrying women's too, uh, and that's inside your store, inside of our store. Wow. Yeah, so we now carry men's and women's Tom Ford and Gucci and Cartier, uh, and and it's selling quite well, uh, you know. We've and, and then the uh, I'm I'm going to answer your question and tie it into sure, the last sure. question too. We uh, the other huge trend that we've seen is called athleisure, and it's kind of mm. this um, Lululemon type of vibe where you know now you're seeing, but it, but it still evolves from stretch and really uh, everything is kind of. Uh, you can really t- tie a lot of what's going on, a lot of the trends from the last couple of years uh, to stretch, but um, athleisure has become really important. And f- consequently for us, we're making tons of stitched hats, tons of stitched hoodies, hoodies in lightweight and heavyweight, doing these great like laser cut velvet appliques and just, oh my um, God. you know, it's, it's kind of about texture, but still not a suit store, not being afraid to make hoodies is, is pretty interesting. It
1: is absolutely. So, I got a, a fun question for you, my fun question of the day. Tell me a little bit about DJ Glaze.
0: <laughs> and this kind of ties back into your nightlife and the actions yeah. you made. Yeah. It was, uh, well, Glaze was my nickname, uh, you know, long before Vegas. Um, it was never DJ Glaze. It was just Glaze. Just Glaze. I, had a, <laughs> I had ambitions of production that never came to fruition, but I had oh, the foresight shame. to not call myself DJ. Right. Uh, I wanted to, but um, I, You know, from covering Nightlife for Las Vegas Weekly in 2011-12, I started um, making friends with a lot of the influential Nightlife people and um, was sort of casually saying, you know, what's happening in L.A. and San Francisco and New York is this, uh," and again, we're talking 11 years ago, right? is this like indie house, new disco uh, tropical house type of thing, and no one's doing this vibey stuff in Vegas. Uh, and my friend so casually said, "Well, do you want to do that?" And I said, "Well, I'd love to, I'd, but I don't know how to DJ." Um, and they were sort of like, "All right, well, you know, let me know if you when you do." Uh, and I had another friend who owned a bar, and I started uh, teaching myself to to spin after work um, in a giant empty bar. It was uh-huh. surreal, but um, you know, got enough skill to be proficient. Yeah, and, and made my way around town. This was the time when I was still a buyer. It was my career. Wow. Um, I was a journalist on the side, and then I had joked the DJing became kind of a hobby that got out of hand. By night. Yeah. Right. Um, right. But it was it was always sort of, it's actually a, a, a similar skill set of buying, where you're just harvesting a ton of data on one hand, music on one hand, clothing, and then uh, making you know, curating an experience, for curating experience yeah. with, with customer um, sensibilities in mind. What genes is the customer going to like? What songs is the customer uh-huh. going to like? And so it's, a, it's kind of that marketing empathy, skill set of, of being able to predict consumer behavior.
1: That's amazing. I've secretly always wanted to learn myself how to be a DJ or just mix stuff, just, just like a little side project. But it's so interesting that you mentioned that because being a DJ, I always thought you had to make it for a bunch of people. Everybody in the room has to go along with this vibe and you're sort of riding those waves with a bunch of people. And um I think it does really prepare you for something like menswear. I think it, it somehow it it prepares you for
0: curating an experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being able to predict what people are gonna want. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you produce any of your own songs or anything? I never about? got that far. Oh, I, man.
0: I was. of was. of sort of 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 the AI tools from today existed back then. Oh my I, God, I probably I would have dove into it, but no, I, I didn't. It was, I think that the nature of it being sort of number three on my priority list, um, meant it kind of got my back burner energy, unfortunately, ah. but it was a fun time. I I had a residency at Marquee. Um, nice. I got around a lot of the nightclubs and on the strip and downtown. And it was, uh, I a mean, it was fun, but it was, it was really just fun to party with my friends in my twenties. It was, it was always, I always sort of had this, uh, intellectual barrier to it. And I was like, wait a sec. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't go to Berkeley to, to DJ. No disrespect to the DJs; they're so much further along than I was ever. And there's there, and and I've now respected what sonic engineers they are. Um, but know. at the time, I had this sort of mental barrier to to really diving into it. That I,
1: yeah, you never really realize something like that. I I even talk. I even saw like you know Steve Aoki talking about it recently, and just it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole profession
0: to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I mean now that they're making kind of. Athlete, entertainer, uh, Hollywood money—sort of. You know, you can't you can't knock the career at all. Uh, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, that's that's awesome. So taking it back to a little bit, um, talking about to let's say you're talking to a brand new student. What would uh, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who wants to follow in your footsteps and
0: pursue a career, perhaps in the fashion industry? It's a good question, um, and that. And I've had, I've had people as young as grade school ask me uh, how to get into it. And they were showing me all these beautiful sketches on their phone. Um, I think the best advice is what can you do differently? Um, right. I, I, th- I really believe in uh, differentiation is the key. So it's about not just what can you do, but what can you do differently? Um, part of that is I've seen brand, I've seen amazing brands come up because they're really good at something. Um, one of my favorite old brands was great at dress shirts. And all of a sudden, they uh, had this ambition of, well, I don't want to just be a shirt brand. I want to mm-hmm. be a collection. Mm-hmm. So they went from making like quality, great shirts to quality, great shirts and kind of crap everything else. like Crap leather, crap jeans, mm-hmm. crap whatever. And all of a sudden, they went from being a great shirt brand to a kind of crappy afterthought collection. Oh, and I think wow. that's a really common trap. Uh-huh. Um, I think, and, and so tying it back to the advice, it's sort of, uh, m- my advice is to do one thing. Well, find the thing that you can do differently, better than the market and do that and be okay with doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I have ambition. I've, I'm, I have brand building ambitions myself. I have a, of bomber jacket brand, I'm working on. and I have ambitions to make sport coats too, and I'm content keeping them separate. I'd rather mm-hmm. have two separate brands that are good at their own thing uh, than combine them. And um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's sort of the that's my advice. Right, be, be okay being doing one thing the best and focus on it. Right, I think uh, when when.
1: The idea that my mind goes to when thinking about, you know, starting perhaps in this industry, my mind goes to Alexander McQueen. And it's interesting how your company was actually meant to bring sort of British energy to the States. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, and that's really cool. Um, But I think about what McQueen did, and he started to, you know, make the dresses himself, tailor the suits himself. He started in tailoring, I believe. But um, I do think that starting to make your own clothes... Could be a really cool idea. Have you ever done anything like
0: that? Me personally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I, my pandemic project was was getting this bomber jacket brand uh-huh. off the ground. We've uh, sold through once, and we're getting ready to release our second our second run of it. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I, I, well, I was going to ask what new developments can we expect from it, you, but yeah, you I'm well. So, uh, so my own sort of side projects, and by the uh-huh. way, those those side projects are all, um, you know, very much. I have an advantage and a privilege having a stitched light, mm-hmm. having stitched as a platform and having the support of my founder, president Eamon, to, uh, chase my side project ambitions mm-hmm. and, and leverage the platform that is stitched. Um, so, so I to, I, I want to just acknowledge that, yeah, that yeah. advantage yeah. that I'm grateful for refocusing mm-hmm. on stitch developments. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting really good at women's custom clothing. Cool. And so that's like a, that's a, a huge market. Any, um, Every woman I talk to it laments the off the the modest to non-existent offering in the custom suits for women world yeah. uh, and we do it really we do it really well and we get the experience right too with you know that's awesome glass for champagne and, and, a, <laughs> yeah. and a relaxed environment and female stylists and you know we uh, so so women's really interesting we also have uh, some some expansion ambitions that I don't want to jinx before (laughs) we, before we sign any new leases, but hopefully by the time this airs, we'll, we'll be getting close.
1: I I can't, I can't wait for that. So just, just wrapping up here, uh, where can people find you if
0: they're interested in your stores or online social media? Yeah. Start with, uh, following us on Instagram at stitched life. Uh, don't forget the second T S T I T C H E D life. Um, personally, I'm at Sammy Glazer, G L A S -S E R. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the this, Stitch this Instagram is much more interesting than my personal one.
1: I encourage everyone, uh, you can always find them in their stores at Cosmopolitan. And there's a pop-up store in Tivoli Village now. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you so much for being here today, Sam. I had a great time. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And you can always find us wherever you find your podcasts, uh, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Pivot Point. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to The Pivot Point. You can follow us at Pivot Point UNLV on Twitter, all one word, and hope you enjoyed the show.